in this episode of the Bear Performance Podcast. And you see this time and time again where people create these routines that become very strict and rigid and then they can't break the routine. They can't release the control that is now holding them back from moving forward or backwards. They are stuck in this stagnant place which may be maintaining a current condition or a state or a result, but it's not allowing them to go forwards, backwards, side to side, anywhere. That is a trap. That is a paralyzed trap that you cannot get out of. So I do want to highlight that where routines are great, but also being flexible, being adaptable, being able to let go of control of the routine for opportunities to learn, to grow, to socialize, to have some fun, just to to be off of your routine. Anything outside of moderation can become too much. Welcome back to another powerful episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Nick Bear, founder and CEO of Bear Performance Nutrition. Every week, we bring you insightful stories, knowledge, and inspiration to help you reach your full potential in life, fitness, and business. If you enjoy the message we're promoting in this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review on the platform you are listening to. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes that embody the Go One More mindset. All right, what's going on, guys? And welcome back to the show. Today is a solo episode just by myself, and I want to give a Want to give a few updates on some things we are working on here actively at BPN. There is a lot going on uh, in in 2022. In the last like 70 days of 2022, and it's been a humbling experience. And I want to share some of that insight with current entrepreneurs, future entrepreneurs. Um, a lot of it is applicable to things outside of business and 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 scaling uh, an e-commerce brand, but working with people, building a team, developing a team, challenging, but so rewarding. Uh, and I want to dive into that and what we're experiencing right now, especially this being our, our 10th year in business, which is crazy to think about. You know, I started the brand in 2012 out of my college apartment in Western Pennsylvania, the Indiana University of PA, studying nutrition on an Army ROTC scholarship. And never in a million years did I envision what, 2022, 10 years later would look like. Um, and, and I want to talk about that, that journey and process. Also talking about uh, some new products we have recently launched and will be launching here in the next couple of weeks. We went through R&D a lot in 2021, 2020 and 2021 to, to bring some new products to life. And, and this year they are seeing that, that light and uh, some have launched already and I can't wait to share the other ones with you. I also want to dive into the current books that I am reading or have recently finished, some of those around business, but uh, more importantly, a lot in the nutrition and fitness space because a lot of the guests that I've had on the podcast recently. And then the meat and potatoes of this episode is all about routine, the importance of routine, how I build out my routine, but also the dangers of routine. And if you are like me, uh, I like being in control of things that I'm able to be in control of. 
which can sometimes be good or bad. And we're going to talk about when that becomes bad, how to handle it and what I do and, and kind of some situations I found in, in my life. The dangers of routine. They're not all dangerous, but it, uh, it exists out there and, and we'll talk about it. But let's dive into uh, the new products we have recently launched here at BPN. One that we just launched today, we relaunched today a new flavor, the Field Bar. And the Field Bar has been, uh, it's been quite an evolutionary journey for myself. Because the way this, this nutrition bar came to life was, and I've told this story before, but when I tell the story, it almost takes me back to when I was, I was actually creating it. I'm going to paint this picture for you like I'm there right now. I had, this, uh, I had this apartment in Fort Benning, Georgia. It was called Independence Place. And for a lot of new lieutenants, especially infantry lieutenants, infantry officers, just graduating college, commissioning in the Army after Army ROTC programs or OCS or, or military academies. If you're an infantry officer, you go to Fort Benning, Georgia, infantry or armor. And there was this notorious place to live called Independence Place. It was on exit six. I don't remember what exit off of. I just remember it was exit six. I remember exit 10 where some other lieutenants would live. This is where all like the restaurants were at, but exit six was uh, like six miles from post. And I had this apartment there that I drove to from, uh, from, from Pennsylvania. When I graduated college, drove down to Fort Benning in my Nissan Titan four by four truck. And at independence place, this is where I was living while I was in the infantry officer, basic course, ranger school, airborne school, um, Bradley leader course. I was at Fort Benning for about a year. And for part of this time, I was living in this apartment by myself, but I also had a roommate here and there. And we were at training at different times of the year. So I might see my roommate for a month and then he's gone for two months and then vice versa. We just be in and out all the time. But I, I vividly remember being in this this apartment kitchen, I mean, I can, I can paint it in my mind right now. It's like, I'm, I'm back there as we speak. And I would sit in this kitchen at night. And if we were leaving for the field, say on a Monday, we do field training and we'd either go to the field for three days, a week, two weeks max. And I would prepare to go to the field, which meant we'd show up to Fort Benning in the morning we would get some sort of transportation to where we were training at in the field and we'd stay there until the training exercise was complete. We wouldn't come back to, to Fort Benning. We wouldn't go back to our apartments. Uh, we, were, we were out there. And my entire life, I've been a huge advocate of, of fitness and nutrition, eating healthy, staying active. And I would create these nutrition bars in my apartment before going to the field because I did not want to live off of just MREs, which are meals ready to eat. I didn't want to live just off MREs. So I take my own nutrition bars to these field exercise training. So I'd sit in my apartment at night before and I'd gather my ingredients. I'd have this big box of, of oats and peanut butter and honey and uh, protein powder and 
dried fruit and nuts and I'd have all this stuff and I'd mix it in this big bowl. And I remember mixing it in this bowl because it was so thick. I had this big wooden spoon and I would be like death gripping the spoon just to stir all the ingredients together. And it would take me like 15 to 20 minutes because it was so thick. I knew I couldn't take these bars to the field being running. So I had to take them in a very firm, thick form. And when I'd be done stirring these nutrition bars together, my whole arm would be so tired and numb because like I said, if, if I made them too moist, they'd fall apart while I was traveling with them. I had to take them so they were like essentially bricks. And then I'd lay them on a sheet and I'd pack it really tight and I'd put it in the fridge for, for the night. And then the next morning before going to the field, I would take it out of the fridge. I'd cut them up into bar size pieces. I'd wrap it in tinfoil and I'd throw it at the bottom of my ruck. And on top of that, I'd throw all of my, my gear. So when we were out in the field then, when I would be hungry and I didn't want to eat another MRE and I needed a snack or something to, to munch on, I'd reach my hand down into the ruck and I'd pull this smashed piece of tinfoil which the bar by, by no means held shape. And it was as thin as a piece of paper at that point. And I would scrape all these pieces of the bar off the tinfoil and I'd eat it because I wanted some sort of quality nutrition when I was out there. I was getting good sources of protein, fat, um, carbohydrates. You know, I'd add honey and dates and cacao nibs and unsweetened coconut flakes and all this stuff to them. And they were super tasty. And all my guys that I was training with would, would see me eating these and they'd be saying, hey, can I grab one of those? Can I have one? Hey, sorry, man. I, I could only hold so much in my ruck. Like this is what I got for myself, but I'd sample them out here and there. And I did this for years. I did this when I was at Fort Benning, Georgia. I did it when I was at, at Fort Hood, Texas. I'd make these field bars. So then fast forward a few years later when it was time to actually create a bar for BPN, this is the first thing that popped to my mind. We need to reintroduce the original field bar. So we found a manufacturer. The base was peanut butter, protein powder, honey. We've now added dates and cacao nibs and unsweetened coconut flakes. And depending on the flavor, there's additional ingredients added. We have a plant-based bar now and a whey-based bar. The, the plant-based bar uh, has agave syrup. It's simple ingredients. Uh, both versions of the bar whole ingredients, no additives, uh, amazing, amazing ingredient profile, great nutrition source. And today we just launched a new flavor and that flavor might be my favorite flavor we've launched yet. It is the banana walnut bread. And me growing up, like I grew up on banana bread and also zucchini bread. My mom made a lot of zucchini bread growing up. My grandpa had this, this garden in the back of his house, about an acre big and He'd, uh, he grows zucchini. So we always had this abundance of zucchinis. But banana walnut bread just takes me back to like my childhood. So now we have multiple flavors of the bars. We have in the whey-based version, banana walnut bread and chocolate peanut butter blondie. And then the plant-based bar, we have a peanut butter crunch and a chocolate sea salt. So today was a big day. We launched a new flavor of the whey-based version of the field bar, banana walnut bread. And it is to die for. 
We've recently launched some new products as well. We launched Strong Omega, which is our fish oil supplement. We launched our collagen protein supplement, and we have a new product that is launching here shortly. By the time this episode is released, it will have been out on March 14th, 2022. We are releasing Peak Sleep. And Peak Sleep has been a product that has been in R&D for over two years now. So I'm super excited and very proud for this one to hit the market. This product is also currently undergoing a clinical study, a placebo-controlled study with 72 participants. And this is a product where the ingredient profile is one of my favorites that we've ever put together. It is a base of mushrooms being... Pico 2. So Pico 2 is a mushroom blend from Compound Solutions, who's one of our favorite ingredient suppliers. We have a great partnership with with Compound Solutions. So it's two grams of Pico 2, as well as Levagen Plus, 5-HTP, and magnesium in the bioglycinate form. So this is a product that's not going to necessarily put you to sleep. It's not going to feel like someone came across and whacked you in the head with a shovel and you fall over and pass out and you wake up still feeling that shovel smacked across your face. No, this is not that type of product. I don't like those type of products. This one is going to provide a calming, relaxing feeling in the evening when you're about to wind down. Well, I'm like 30 to 45 minutes from going to sleep. I will make my peak sleep either hot or cold. So we have two flavors, a chocolate and an apple cinnamon. I'll get some hot water. I'll add a scoop of it. I'll blend it up together and I'll sip on it. Or I'll just put it in a shaker bottle and drink it cold. But I I personally prefer drinking it warm. And it calms you down. It relaxes you. It makes you kind of just fall into this this very nice, gentle sleep. Which then turns into this amazing, deep, quality sleep. And that was a goal with peak sleep. We weren't trying to necessarily put you to sleep. We were trying to provide a higher quality, deeper sleep where then you are able to wake up feeling more rested and we accomplished that. And I'm so, I'm so proud and happy with this product. So that is getting ready to launch in a few days here. Peak Sleep is one of those, those products that I've been using now for about a year with our personal supply, going through R&D and manufacturing. And I'm just proud of this one. And I value sleep a lot. I don't get always as much as I want or need just based off of, of my schedule, being a business owner and, you know, creating content, being a husband, soon to be father. I know a lot of people find themselves in that situation. I mean, I, I value sleep tremendously and most people, if not everyone should try to get at least eight hours of sleep. But if you don't, you can't get more quantity of sleep. We should try to maximize the quality of the hours we are getting and that's why we created Peak Sleep. So March 14th, 2022, it's go time. So those are the new product updates that we have recently launched and are getting ready to launch. And uh, it's been a fun experience. I, I, I love R&D. I love the R&D process of creating new products or improving upon or introducing new flavors. And uh, we have a lot coming out in 2022. And that kind of pivots into some of the humbling experiences that we have had the opportunity to go through 
in uh, in the first, say, 70 days of 2022 so far. And in the next couple of weeks or months, I'll be able to dive a whole lot deeper into this. And I'm going to do a follow-up interview with uh, with our CFO, Josh Holly, and our VP of Finance, Shane. They were two newer employees that have joined the team, started working here with BPN to provide some amazing strategy and insight. But the reason I say the last 70 days of, of BPN has been so humbling is because this is the way I've been explaining it to people for, for a really long time. We have had our heads down and our eyes forward for the last 10 years. In 10 years, it's crazy to think that this is our 10-year anniversary coming up in, in August of this year. 10 years ago, I decided that I was going to take out a loan for $20,000 and I was going to find a supplement manufacturing facility in the US. And I thought that I had all of the knowledge, education, experience that was required at that point in my life at about 22 years old to build a brand. And I told my dad, I said, dad, I'm going to start the supplement company and we're going to make a million dollars this year. And he looked at me and he laughed. I'll never forget this because we have the quote on the wall in, uh, in our HQ here. And he said, Nick, if it was that easy, everyone would do it. I said, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I will tell you, we were, we were a little short of a million dollars year one. We did about $20,000 in revenue year one, two, and three. So it didn't necessarily go as, as planned. But what I've learned over these 10 years up until this point, and I truly believe this when I say after 10 years, we are just scratching the surface. I've learned and after talking to other business owners and, and C-level executives that I've kind of come to the conclusion that everyone has experienced this is that the number one skill or characteristic to people who set goals and accomplish goals is that they are consistent. They are committed to consistency. And one of the other skills or attributes is that they're self-aware and they're able to identify that they don't always have the answers. They don't always have the plan. And we all are in the situation that we're just figuring it out as we go. And when you talk to people, you talk to successful people and you hear someone say that, you think to yourself, you know what? You're right. No one that gets started has all the answers. No one knows the right versus wrong decision to make in order to move the business forward or backwards. We're all just figuring it out as we go. And once you are actively aware of how true this is, it presents more opportunity for you. You can learn more, you can grow more, you can scale more. And this 10 years has been super humbling. I mean, amazingly humbling. I have been beat down. I have been kicked to the ground. I have lost a lot of money. I have failed multiple times. But every time I've been kicked down, I've stood back up and I've, I've kept driving forward. 
that's that commitment to consistency. And the reason I really want to talk about these last 70 days in 2022 is because at the end of 2021, me and the team sat down, we, we did an internal audit and AAR, if you will, we used to do these in the military. AAR stands for after action review. You talk about what you plan to do and then what you actually did and then how to refine, improve upon what happened and what to sustain, what to keep, what worked. So at the end of 2021, we did an internal AAR and we identified what was our goal, what was our plan for this past year? What did we actually do? What did we accomplish? What do we keep doing and sustain? Or what needs changed? And we realized that we had to change a lot. In order to get to that next level, we had to improve a lot. We had to challenge ourselves. And I see this question often. I'm going to try to answer it the best I can. I see the question of, you know, you've, you've built a business and it's doing well and you have employees and you have a team. Why do you keep pushing forward? Why do you, why do you keep trying to do more? Why do you cut, try to keep making more money? That's the thing. The, the answer to that is it's not, if, if you have to ask yourself, why are you trying to make more money? You're missing the point. That's, that's not it. It's, it's not, how do we make more money? It's how do we make a bigger impact? How do we help more people? How do, how, do we, how do we continue to push and reach more goals? Like If you're not continuously challenging yourself, it doesn't matter about the money you're making. If you don't continuously challenge yourself in anything you're doing, you stop growing. Growth is a choice. You have to actively wake up and choose to grow. And if you stop choosing to grow, you are stagnant. You are stuck. And if you think you stay in the same place by not choosing to grow, you're wrong. You decline. What happens to someone if they stop working out? They stop eating healthy. You don't maintain your current level of fitness. You don't maintain your current body or your body fat. You decline. You get out of shape. You get heavy. You get fat. You gain body fat. You don't stay in that current shape. That is why people who are in shape continuously train to eat healthy because you feel better and you look better. And that's what's attractive about growth is that you keep setting goals and you keep challenging yourself to do whatever is required to achieve that goal. That is growth. And it's not just growth for you internally. It is growth externally. And I'll explain that. I say we can make an impact with growth. You make an impact on your community in terms of the consumers, the followers, the subscribers, the people who follow our journey and have committed to the go on more lifestyle, that is an impact. If you are not continuously pushing yourself, you can't push other people. I was thinking about this term in my head uh, when I was running this past week and it kept popping up. And it was, if you don't practice what you preach, you should not be able to teach. I'm gonna say that again. It's been, it's just been going through my head nonstop. If you don't practice what you preach, you should not be able to teach. So how else do we make impacts? Externally, in terms of, you know, we're a brand, we're, we're impacting this community. Externally, which is also internally, 
the people that work here at BPN, I want to challenge every single employee to grow, to grow their skill set, their education, their resources, to move up into the company. It is my responsibility to challenge these people. And if I'm not challenging people within my organization or that follow the brand in our culture, I am failing them. And if you don't feel that, that responsibility and obligation as a business owner, as a manager, as a husband, as a father, as a wife, if you don't feel that, you are failing the people around you in your life and yourself. So that's why we keep pushing forward. That is why when the resistance pushes against us, I push back as hard as possible, as hard as possible. And for the last 10 years, my head has been down, my eyes have been forward, and I've been staying in our lane, which has allowed us to get to this point. But it also has created this level of, I, I want to call it, for a lack of a better term, ignorance. It has created an ignorance to the other possibilities and opportunities that exist in the world to scale and grow a business. And I wouldn't have changed anything we've done in the last 10 years. We've built a brand off of trust and credibility and storytelling and quality products and an amazing brand and, and community and culture and organization. We've built that. But now there's this opportunity for us to learn how to take this brand that has been built and implement e-commerce strategy to scale to that next level. And that doesn't just help BPN. It doesn't just help our sales or our growth or our reach. It helps everyone who's involved in the process. It helps the employees, the staff, the community, the people who follow, the consumers. Because if you take that experience, you take that education, those resources that we share a lot of, we share a lot of this stuff, you can take that and you can apply it to everything you do in your life and, and win. Small win, medium-sized win, big win, you will win if you implement those. And one of the things we did this past, I mean, right after the new year, we hired a new CFO, Josh, and VP of Finance, Shane, and we've, we've brought on some people into the business who one, one uh, starts tomorrow. We have a few other employees that start in a few weeks that are bringing the BPN experience. Experience from other e-commerce brands and CPG brands. And we've built the brand to this point by learning things as we went, which was, in my opinion, that's bootstrapping. Bootstrapping a business is the best way to build a business. You learn a lot. But it's also slow growth. And if you want to expedite some of that growth and scale and also really benefit the people in your organization, you bring in experience. And when you bring in experience, that brings in strategy and that brings in development. Development for what you're doing as a company and your systems and your infrastructure, but developing your team. And that's 
that's one thing that has has been really heavy on my shoulders this past, I'd say, 18 months is I'm, I'm aware, I'm constantly asking myself, am I developing the members of BPN at the level they deserve to be developed? Because that is a responsibility. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be a dad in July, right? And and I feel this responsibility as well, being a, a soon-to-be father. And I think of on my morning runs, what do I need to learn? What do I need to do to, to help develop this baby girl as much as possible? Because when she turns six and then 16 and then 26 and then 36, I want to make sure that I raised my daughter right so that she is prepared to make the right decisions in her life and in the world and among society to set her up for success. And I think about that being a soon-to-be father. I think about that being a husband as a business owner. It's not just self-improvement or self-development. And I think sometimes these, these skills, these traits are viewed independently. Self-development, self-improvement, it's a big space, right? I think a lot of us want to self-improve and self-develop. We should. We should. However, that, that self-improvement and development is not just for ourselves. It's also to benefit the people in our lives around us. It's almost like the, the scenario on a plane, right? When you're on a plane and something happens, and I've, I've never been in this, this situation, but... We've all gotten the brief when we got on a plane in the event of some sort of accident or issue and the masks drop down, first put on your mask and then help others around you put their mask on. If you don't help yourself first, you can't help anyone around you. If you don't work on yourself, if you're not spending any time to self-improve or self-develop internally, you can't help anyone else. That is the truth. You will have nothing to serve or value for anyone around you if you don't help yourself. You have to take care of yourself. So that's what my goal is going to 2022 is how do we bring in experience, experience that I lack or don't have, how do we bring that in from a strategic standpoint to benefit and develop the team? And the thing about the startup space now, we're 10 years into business. I still consider us a startup. We're still a startup. I think a lot of a lot of times, I used to think this too, you think that your startup phase lasts one to two years. Now, I mean, you can be in business 10 to 15 years and you're still in the startup, startup space. The startup space is what I've learned to love. And being exposed to some other startup brands and, and e-commerce brands and CPG companies, especially in the Austin area, Austin is packed with some amazing innovation and ideas and companies and brands that are launching. And this innovation breeds this new challenging mindset. And the space changes dramatically. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm constantly looking on, on ways to, in, to self-improve and whether that's reading books or talking to mentors or talking to other peers who are 
in my space or different spaces um, or resources and articles. And this past week I was researching online some articles in terms of building a team and infrastructure. And I came across this one article and it was called Giving Away Your Legos. And I read this article and I cannot believe how spot on it was in regards to what a startup feels like. And the concept be, behind giving away your Legos was, and BPN has, has, has experienced and felt this 100%, when you bootstrap a company, you know, you're either bootstrapped or you are VC funded or you start with this chunk of cash. We were bootstrapped. We had $20,000 and that was our money to, to grow and scale. And we made that work somehow. But when you start, you know, I was the only employee of BPN up until 2014, 15. My brother Preston was helping out on the side while he was still in college and working his first job. But it was mainly just me trying to figure out how to build this brand. And when you start, you're wearing all of the hats. You're wearing every hat of the business. Even when Preston came down full-time, he moved to Texas, and then we hired Joe Pivots, who's now our director of operations. When it was me, Preston, and Joe, the three of us, we were all wearing a lot of hats. There was not this direct title. It was, we were all doing whatever we had to do to make it survive. And then you start adding some more team members onto, onto the org chart. We hired you know, John Byers, and then uh, my, my wife now, Steph, she helped out and was part of the team. And then we had Jordan Utter, he joined the team. And we added people here and there. And as our team was still small, everyone was wearing a lot of hats. And when you're wearing a lot of hats, you have a lot of Legos. You build up this tower of Legos for yourself that you are providing value to for this company. But then you reach this threshold, this size where you need to start hiring exponentially and especially hiring people who are specialized in a skill or a trade. And once you hire more of these people, those first core people in the business have to give up some of their Legos. They have to reduce the size of their tower and delegate some responsibility so they can hyper-focus on the responsibilities and obligations that really matter for them. And giving up your Legos is tough because you want to control those Legos. You know how it's been done the last two, three, four years. You have systems and procedures in place for those Legos. And you know when you hand those Legos over, someone might not handle those Legos the same way you handled yours. And that's a tough spot to be in. And some of the quotes in that, that resource that I want to pull from they were spot on. And as you grow and scale, giving up some of your Legos is tough, but it's essential. And some of these quotes are, you must handle scaling proactively or you end up in trouble. And that is the truth. You know, we, we talk about reactive behaviors and proactive behaviors all the time. A reactive behavior is not a spot you want to be in. If we apply it to fitness, for example, say you don't do any of your mobility work while you're training for a marathon. You don't do any mobility work. You don't do any strength training work. You just run. No recovery stuff. You're not eating right. You're not 
doing myofascial release, <clears throat> nothing. And then all of a sudden you get an injury and you're reactive. You threw the whole kitchen sink at this injury trying to get rid of it. That's a spot you don't want to be in. You're trying to react to what has already happened. Being proactive on the other side is a marathon runner who is actively doing mobility work, strength training, is getting maybe a deep tissue massage every week, going to the chiropractor, sleeping eight hours a day, eating a healthy, nutritious diet, is staying on top of nutrition and hydration. That is a proactive approach. Kind of give you uh, an example in terms of the business right now of what we're experiencing. You know, we have <clears throat> multiple legs of the business, but if we break it down into two divisions, we have operations and we have marketing media. And marketing and media's job is to create content and create marketing plans that drive sales and traffic to the business. We're going to acquire more customers. We're going to build in systems to uh, make that customer experience as good as possible and then build in retention systems and infrastructures to retain that customer on a regular basis. And operations is focused on fulfillment, uh, making sure we have enough inventory to sell. Uh, we can get all those orders that come in out of the, the door on a daily basis in an effective and efficient manner. And if those two divisions don't match up, well, one, if we're driving too many sales to the website and we don't have enough people to fulfill orders or systems in place, it's a nightmare. That is trouble. And what we're trying to do actively as we scale is manage both those divisions where right now, if we wanted to, we could ramp up a lot of our marketing and drive more sales. However, we are also actively building out our fulfillment operations to make sure that we can handle two, three, even four X of what we're currently outputting on a daily basis. And you don't want to get to a point where you're, you know, the water's right below your chin and you're starting to gasp for some air and you're hoping that water doesn't raise anymore. You're, you're drowning. Proactive would be that you're on the high dive 30 feet above the water and you got plenty of time for that water to rise. That might never got, get above your, your head. You're proactive. So it's building those two visions of the business to make sure they are growing at an appropriate rate so that one isn't in trouble based off of the other's performance. And it goes vice versa in both ways for operations and, and marketing media. And, um, and another one of those quotes was, and I love this one, they kind of both go together. If you personally want to grow as fast as your company you have to give away your job every couple of months. You have to give away your Legos. And I know a lot of our team members have felt some of these changes in the last couple of months. Your, your job in a startup, in a, in a growing startup organization and company, your job will change every couple of months. And you have to be prepared for that change because it's not always comfortable. It's not always easy it's going to happen and it's setting expectations for we understand this is changing. This is why it's changing. Now let's, let's pivot and, and readjust. 
And this last one I think is one of the most important. And this can apply to anyone wherever they're working. You must be adaptable and learn slash grow as fast as your company grows. And uh, in this article, they referenced some companies like, like Facebook and I believe Google. And it talked about how just because you were a stud at your company last year does not mean you're going to be a stud at your company this year. And that comes down to, are you growing and scaling and learning at the same rate or faster than your current organization? Because as a startup or a company grows and scales, the people have to also scale and grow with it. I mean, the people in an organization is the reason a brand or a company grows. Can you imagine what would happen if you took all the people out of an organization and replaced it with robots? That's trouble. Nothing would happen. You know why? Because people make things happen. People are investments into the business that help facilitate growth and scalability. And this comes full circle, right? We're going back to self-development. Self-development allows you to develop the people around you. Developing the people around you is an investment into the company and it is this full circle that facilitates growth. You will never lose or you will never, never fail from learning more and experiencing more. You won't. There's, there's, there's no loss to that. Like, will I ever say that was a waste of time reading that business book? No, there, there's some sort of insight you can always take away from, from some sort of reading material, hopefully, or you're reading the wrong books, which pivots me to this next point, my current reads. So the book that I'm reading right now is the 15 commitments of conscious leadership, which I'm only like a chapter in so far, but very excited to dive deeper into that one. Uh, my previous reads by Dr. James Antonio, who was recently on the podcast, highly recommend these books, The Salt Fix and Win. Both those books in terms of uh, nutrition, sports performance, and optimization of your health and wellness and fitness. Really good books, both of those. Uh, and then I recently read The Resistance Training Revolution by Sal Stefano. Sal was also on the podcast. We did a great episode on resistance training and the power of. And then two books that I'm also reading actively right now. I'm usually reading multiple books at a time and then whatever I'm feeling, I'll dive into. So between the 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership and Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell and Give and Take by Adam Grant, those are the three books I'm actively reading right now. And I can say I, I recommend all of them. So let's talk about the meat and potatoes of this episode and what I've, I've wanted to dive into. Speaking of meat and potatoes, I love that saying because growing up in central Pennsylvania, we were a meat and potatoes family. I don't know about you guys, but we lived off of the crock pot. And me and my wife, Steph, we've been doing this on a, I'd say at least twice a week at this point again. Uh, we, we brought our, our crock pot out of hibernation. And I'm sad that I haven't been using it for the past couple of years as much. But growing up, we, we would do roasts and 
in that roast in the crock pot. I mean, my mom would throw a crock pot on in the morning. There'd be a roast in there, potatoes, onions, mushrooms, carrots, uh, beef broth, some thyme and some rosemary. That smell from when you would come home from school or from baseball or football practice and you can smell a roast in the kitchen. You walk in through the kitchen door through the garage and you smell a roast and you're just like, I'm going to cover this thing in massive amounts of ketchup. And that's what we would do. We were a meat and potatoes family and we were a ketchup family. I mean like multiple bottles a week. And um, if you haven't pulled out your crock pot in a while, go to the store, get a nice grass fed piece of uh, beef, get a roast, throw it in your crock pot with some beef tallow or some olive oil, throw some diced up potatoes, diced up carrots, onions, mushrooms, uh, like I said, beef broth or bone broth and some seasonings. And you can feed an army with that. It is, it is delicious. I love it. it. Melts in your mouth, but I love meat and potatoes. And I think that that saying really captures why that is the best part of a, of a conversation or a discussion. And I think I saved the best for last, in my opinion. We're talking all about routine. It is my honest opinion that the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And some examples of that, like, do you ever walk into someone's house or you get in someone's car and their car is filthy, dirty, there's empty bags of Doritos all over the place, there's crumbs on the floor, you reach down to adjust the seat and your finger like touches uh, a chicken nugget from like eight months ago. And it's just dirty. It's just gross. I'm not judging. Like if you're listening to this right now and you have a dirty car to each their own, I keep my truck pretty clean. And I think the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So my initial impression of that is if your car looks like this. What is, you know, what do your finances look like? What does what your, your home look like? What does your work look like? What's your desk look like? What's your organization look like? Are you going to someone's house and it's not clean? There's, there's shit all over the place. That's where my mind goes to because I was taught very early on the way you do one thing is the way you do everything and that is perception. First impressions are lasting impressions, Right? If I had someone for the first time I ever met them hop in my truck and it was full of crap and they're touching chicken nuggets and french fries while trying to adjust their seat or reach for the, the USB port, that's a lasting impression that you necessarily don't want to leave. And I have a routine that's pretty set in stone right now. And I'm going gonna, gonna to break it down, but I'm also going to talk about the dangers of routine. For me... My morning routine is the same about six days a week. And then I'm going to dive into what the dangers of that are. But I wake up at 5 a.m. every single morning, except for Sundays. Sundays I'll, I'll sleep in because we're in marathon prep right now. I still do my big runs Saturday mornings. Wake up 5 a.m. and I walk right out into the kitchen. And as soon as I walk into the kitchen... The dogs wake up. So I take the dogs out really quick and I come back in. And then I go over to the coffee maker and I start making a coffee. And as my coffee is being made, I start stretching. I start myofascial release. Uh, 
I have a, a lacrosse ball, it's frozen. I put it on the ground and I roll my foot out on it. And then I'll pull up an audio book and I'll start listening to the audio book for 30 minutes. And after I bring the dogs back into the house, I then make my way to the bathroom. Magic happens, go to the bathroom, hopefully. I mean, this makes or break a day. If I go to the bathroom before a run, it's going to be a good morning. If I don't, there's still potential. So then after I go to the bathroom, I come out and I put my running clothes on, which I have laid out the night before. And I will mix up my G1M Sport, my carbs and electrolytes, as I make my way into the garage. And I'll do some more stretching, some static stretching, some dynamic stretching. Uh, during the middle of all this, I'm drinking my G1M Sport. I'm tying my shoes. I'm getting ready for the day. I'm turning my watch on so that the GPS picks up. And then once 5.45 hits, the garage door opens up and I head out for my run, which is the same route every day. I make it easy. I just do the same route. Um, I have little breakoff points where I can adjust if I need to do a five miler or a seven, an eight, nine, 12, 16, whatever I got to do. My route is set up where I can add miles on. And then by, say, 7 to 7.15, I am back at the house. I go into the garage, take off my clothes, take off my shoes, make my way to the kitchen, and I'll mix up my morning supplements, which are strong greens, strong reds, collagen, electrolytes. I'll mix it up in 20 ounces of water, and I'll, I'll consume my strong multivitamin, strong joints, and strong omega. And those are my supplements I consume as soon as the run is done. And I'll start making my breakfast, which is either a protein sludge bowl with protein powder or with, uh, I'll do eggs and fruit. It's a bunch of fruit and some, some eggs from a local uh, pasture farm here in uh, Central Texas. And then I head to shower and I head out for the day. I go to work. That is my morning routine, like six days a week. Uh, I shit you not, it is pretty spot on. But what that allows me to do is, and I talked about this recently in a, in a YouTube video, I like running in the morning because in the morning, I am in the most control. If I save something that I need to get done, like a run for the evening, a lot of things can, can happen throughout the day. Obligations pop up, meetings pop up, uh, things that, that happen where I can't get my run in. I know that if I allocate a few hours in the morning to knock out my run, knock out my routine, I know I'm going to get my run in. It's going to start my day off on the right foot and I can go into work ready to destroy the day. That's one of the reasons I like to knock out the run early in the morning. And for me, there's this, this power of solitude that it's still dark. It feels like the world has not woken up yet. There is silence. I'm by myself. I, I can't see like houses and houses and houses because it's dark. I see the feet in front of me in, in the street lights that I'm running under every hundred feet. I love my morning routine. I don't want to change my morning routine because it's powerful for me. It sets my day up for success in a way of I'm knocking out what I need to knock out that are obligations and responsibilities to myself. And it provides me the flexibility for the remainder of the day if I have to pivot and I'm prepared to pivot. 
I also do some things the night prior in terms of, like I said, laying out my clothes and prepping all my meals for the day. I'm a big fan of laying things out. Maybe this was an impact in the military because if we ever went on a field training exercise or I was in a military school, we would do layouts and inspections for everything. So you take your bag and you lay everything out very nice and neat. And then someone would come by with a, a checklist, a sheet, your packing list, and they would inspect your layout. They'd make sure you had everything you needed. Not just check that you have it, but check that it worked. PCCs, PCIs, pre-combat checks, pre-combat inspections. Yeah, here's his headlamp. I got it laid out. Let me make sure the batteries aren't dead. I'm going to turn it on. Yep, batteries are charged. I checked it. I inspected it. We're good to go for tomorrow morning's run. PCCs, PCIs, the night prior for everything I'm going to need that next day. And that's part of backwards planning, right? Like backwards planning is another military uh, system that we used where if I have to be at work by 8 a.m. for a meeting, but my schedule calls for 14 miles that morning, I'm going to make sure that I wake up in an appropriate time to start running at an appropriate time so I can be at work at the correct time of 8 a.m. and make sure that works. I will push back my schedule. I will backwards plan accordingly to make sure that I am where I need to be at the right time, at the right place. Because another one of my pet peeves is don't be late. And if you're 10 minutes early, you're 10 minutes late. Again, the military had these, these big impacts and, and powerful moments in my life that in the moment, I didn't realize the power it would provide after getting out, but it does. It sticks with you because you have these routines that are instilled in you. I get the question all the time is, um, don't you ever get bored of running? You're running the same routes, same time in the morning. Do you ever get bored of it? And for one, I know the power of committing to consistency. So yes, I do get bored. Yes, there are mornings where I wake up and I don't want to run, but I still do it because I've built in this routine in my life the past couple of years where if I wake up and you know you're tempted to go back to sleep, you wake up at 5 a.m., it's dark, you're tired. First thing that pops in your head sometimes is I could use two more hours of sleep. But then I think instantly, if I don't run now, I have to run after work. And what happens if something pops up after work and I can't get that run in, which makes me realize I need to wake up now and get my ass out of bed and start the day and start my routine. And yes, I get bored on some of these runs. However, this goes back to the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Let me explain it this way. If I have a 10-mile run for the day, and I woke up, my routine was spot on. I got everything done that I needed to do. I started my run by 545. Okay, we're in a good spot. I start running by mile two. I'm like, I'm not feeling this one. This doesn't feel good today. Mile four, I'm thinking, well, I could just cut this short. Yeah, I could just do eight miles today or six miles today. And I'll just add some extra miles on the, the rest of my runs for the week. Yeah, I'll do that. Sounds like a good idea. And you get closer to you know, what you're supposed to run for that day. And you realize if I quit early on this run, that is an action that facilitates a habit. And when you do a habit enough of times, that becomes a routine. 
And if you make a habit of quitting early or not training or completing a task to standard or time, that habit becomes a bad routine. And the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So I tell myself as I'm running, if I'm not feeling it and I'm bored and I want to stop, if I stop on that run, if I quit on that run, I might as well quit on my business. I might as well quit on my relationship. I might as well quit on my family. I might as well quit on all my other goals because the way I do this is the way I'm going to do everything else. And if I quit early on this, this run, this easy run I have to do on a Tuesday morning, well, fuck, what else can I do? Well, what else am I giving up on? What else am I cutting myself short on? So yes, I do get tired on these runs. I do get bored of these runs sometimes, but I know the power of committing to consistency and having a routine And you can make decisions that create habits, but just because you make a decision that creates a habit doesn't mean it's a good habit. It can be a bad habit as well because the truth is consistency is not sexy. I saw this post on Instagram the other day and uh, it talked about how if training looks pretty similar day in and day out in terms of fitness, you're probably doing it right. There are a lot of people out there who want to see all this variation in their exercise. They want to see different rep ranges and sets and exercises and supersets and the craziest, I mean, you see the craziest stuff on Instagram. You see these workouts where you're like, I know you're not doing that. I know you're posting that for it to go to be a viral reel. You're full of shit. That's the truth because consistency isn't sexy. These last 10 years of building BPN, there have been some really cool moments We've done some really cool things and there have been some wins, but 90% of the days, maybe even 95% look very familiar and very similar and it is showing up and just moving the needle a little bit further. Just, just keep pushing against that resistance a little bit harder. Just keep driving forward. That is the go one more mindset. You just wake up and you go one more, a little bit more every single day. And when you do that for 10 years, you're going to look back and think, Holy shit. Look at all the things we did in 10 years. But on the day-to-day, it's not going to feel sexy because consistency doesn't feel sexy. It is laying the bricks. You have to lay the bricks to put the house on the foundation. Everyone wants to build the house first. If you build a house on the ground with no foundation, it will crumble and fall. That is why we put foundations down before building houses. Same thing applies to anything else you're building in your life. Now, I was thinking about this this talk today in terms of routine, and I see a lot of people, and I used to do this too, you create routines because you think you need to create routines. We just create a routine because, oh, this guy has a routine. I need a routine. This guy on social media has a morning routine where he's meditating and doing cold showers for three hours before he starts the day. Fuck, what am I doing? So we create a routine, but a routine without intention, it's wasteful. A routine without intention is wasted time. Are you doing a routine? Are you creating a routine to just be into into control of something? Or does it provide an intentional result? So I think it's the first question to ask yourself is, does your routine actually have intention? Are you trying to accomplish something with it? For me, my morning routine is one, I want to maximize 
my time of solitude in the morning. I want to complete my run for my marathon training. I want to get in some really good nutrition and hydration. And I want to listen to an audiobook to spark some insight into what I want to think about in the morning. And it sets the stage, it sets the foundation for the rest of my day. Every little piece, every part of that routine that I added in there has pure intentions that are effective and efficient. But are you doing a routine with no intentions and is it wasteful? If so, let's maybe rethink about what that routine looks like and what it's trying to accomplish. Refine it, adjust it, and you're on your way to to making intentional decisions again. And now the dangers of routine, this is uh this is a, this is a real thing, the dangers of a routine. And I say it's a real thing because I have been here before. Sometimes when you get in a routine that is so rigid and so strict, you lose sight of the intentions behind what you are trying to accomplish as a result. And you're more focused on just controlling parts of your life. And from someone being myself that has had an eating disorder in the the past, you guys don't know my story. When I was uh, 14, 15 years old, I had a very severe eating disorder. And I had a lot of routines and habits built into my day that were very rigid and very strict. And the only intent behind those routines or habits was to minimize the amount of food that I ate and to lose as much weight as possible. But more importantly, the reason I did these routines and habits is because I wanted control. I wanted to be able to control parts of my life and what I was doing and how I was spending it. And sometimes a routine can quickly spiral into not intentional, but having control over what you are doing or not doing. And the reason it becomes dangerous is because you can't do anything outside of that routine. You can't break that routine for anything or anyone. And when I had my eating disorder, for example, if my favorite rock star, say Slash from Guns N' Roses at the time, approached me and said, hey, Nick, I want to take you for uh, for a steak dinner tonight. Just get to know you a little bit more. I would have turned that down because I wouldn't have been able to control my diet. It would have taken me out of my routine of what I was supposed to eat that day and my evening workout. I would have turned down that opportunity. And you see this time and time again where people create these routines that become very strict and rigid and then they can't break the routine. They can't release the control that is now holding them back from moving forward or backwards. They are stuck in this stagnant place, which may be maintaining a current condition or a state or a result, but it's not allowing them to go forwards, backwards, side to side, anywhere. That is a trap. That is a paralyzed trap that you can knock it out of. So I do want to highlight that where routines are great, but also being flexible, being adaptable, being able to let go of control of the routine for opportunities to learn, to grow, to socialize, to have some fun, just to to be off of your routine. Anything outside of moderation can become too much. 
Same goes for routine. I am always willing to break my routine for the right opportunity, the the right person, the right thing. Absolutely. 100%. But if I wake up and I'm able and willing to make that routine happen, I'm going to do it. But I'm not going to allow control to overtake everything. So that wraps up today's episode. Uh, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for tuning in. And um, we'll see you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bear Performance Podcast. Please leave a rating and review on the platform you are listening to if you enjoyed it. It helps us to grow and reach more people with the intent of changing lives through the Go One More mindset. If you are ready to take your health and performance to the next level, head over to bpnsubs.com to take the first step.